Hi, I'm Raymond, and you're listening to Insert Quest here. My pronouns today are he, him, and joining me is Bree, who you might recall from an interview we did a few months back. Welcome back, Bree. Would you mind introducing yourself again for those that might not have heard your previous interview yet? Sure. Uh, I'm Bree Sheldon, or Bo. I am a game designer, editor, journalist, and leadership educator, and I am the person who led the Behind the Mask zine, uh, as well as a contributor, and I've worked on a variety of other projects in all different directions. I'm currently working on my project, Turn, which is on Kickstarter right now. My pronouns are uh, they or he as well. Cool. I was just about to ask you. Um, Cool. Wonderful. Uh, So uh, we talked... We talked about um, a lot of stuff last time, including safety tools, interview technique. I'm pretty sure we talked a little bit about turn and a little bit about behind the mask. Uh, I definitely ended up backing behind the mask and will probably end up backing turn, uh, as is often the way with uh, these projects. It's just about where <laughs> whenever I interview someone, I'm like, oh, I really want to, want to back that project. Where does it fall in my pay cycle? <laughs> and can I afford, afford to back it? And sometimes I have to have to miss out, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about Turn. So if, if those of you that are listening and if you're familiar with the way we do our interviews, we normally – there's some questions that are normally quite similar. Um, we did an interview with Bree like maybe two or three months ago, I think. Uh, so – a lot of the answers Brie might give to those normal standard questions are not going to be any have changed yet. Uh, so <laughs> um, go and listen to uh, listen to Brie's previous interview, which will you can find very easily by clicking on Brie's name uh, in the tags on this, and it'll take you to that, or going to the interviews playlist and looking for it there. Um, we're going to have a conversation about turn and a few other things that come off of that um, because I'm really interested to hear more about. About what it is. So I think, why don't we start with that most boring of questions in that boring in the sense that everyone always asks it. Um, what is the elevator pitch for Turn? Okay, so Turn is a slice of life supernatural role playing game about shapeshifters in small towns. In the game, as shapeshifters, you struggle between your human and beast identities and seek community with other shifters as well as mundanes in your community so um it's it's small towns it's very uh rural in most of the playthroughs we've done because that's what it's meant for and uh there's a lot of lovely kind of day-to-day life play um in in the game itself i am increasingly interested in slice of life in fantastical setting um, yes. fiction. Like it's a thing that I deeply crave. And I am also working on a slice of life in a fantastical setting game. Um, mine is a transhumanist game though, because <laughs> I'm sick of playing super soldiers and members of secret conspiracies when all I want to do is be a sentient forest trying to find love in the Martian outback, you know? It sounds very fascinating. Um, so what... I, I'm interested to know what draws you to like fantastical slice of life stuff. Like, what about that appeals to you? Oh, I don't think anyone's actually asked me what that specific thing has appeals to me. Good job. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I really love uh, 
I really love kind of quiet drama. Um, it's something you really only find in like British mysteries and and stuff like that. Like um, a lot of British shows have kind of quiet elements, but like we don't often apply that to like anything in the U.S. Um, and Turn is by nature because I'm designing it pretty much built about the U.S. Um, but I'm hoping to see that expanded someday. And um, one of the best things about like uh, the kind of slice of life in, in a genre thing is you get genre stuff, which is cool and fun and, and interesting to explore and can represent things other than, you know, what it actually is and stuff like that. Um, but also sometimes is just what it is. And then you get to like, I don't know, have pie at a diner, you know, like, <laughs> like can I get- say, so we don't, quite have diners in Australia anymore. We used to have them at service stations and stuff. We do have, I guess the closest thing now would be a takeaway, but it's a very Mm. different experience. I would say that a, I would say that a, that a diner is kind of a bit more like an in-between point between a takeaway and a cafe in Mm -hmm. Australia. And it's definitely a thing that we don't really have anymore and a thing that we've never had is a place where you can get like fruit pie by the slice oh my gosh i my favorite pie in the world pumpkin pie impossible to get pre-made in australia ever never ever 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 seen one every pumpkin pie i've ever had i've made or my mother has made Oh my goodness! If if oh wait, by no, any... that's not true. I had a pumpkin pie last year at Christmas because my boyfriend at the time, Aww. their partner, their, their partner, their I don't know why I said partner, their uh, grandmother is American. So if if only international shipping wasn't such a nightmare, pumpkin pie is like one of my only cooking specialties. <laughs> well, if I'm ever in the, in America, I'll have to find. Yes, definitely. To make me pie, I lo- I love pumpkin pie. I love pie, and it. It, it's like one of those things that like you can experience here. We do have in, in Pennsylvania, we have some diners remaining, not a ton, um, but we have some. Um, and we also have like Denny's, which is the nihilistic uh, approximation of a diner um, like and a works. Diner. Yeah. And Eaton Park uh, is something local to Pittsburgh, I think, um, which is like literally like it has all of the trappings of diners, mm. like, but it's just a like a chain. Um, but there you can get pie like, and so like, that is something I associate with literal slice of life. I uh, I really do associate when I think of, I mean, as a person not from America, there's not a lot about America that I, America as a cultural structure that I'm like, (laughs) Oh yeah, that's cool. Um, (laughs) uh, except for fruit pies, fruit pies are great and need to be more mainstream. Like we have fruit pies here, but we also like, it's not, it's not to the point where like, there's not a lot of fruit pies being sold. Like it's, there's lots of, there's lots of avenue to get apple pie and then maybe there might be some other pie, but mostly savory pies or cheesecakes. Cheesecakes also very good. Very, very much love good cheesecake, but you know, more fruit pie. Yeah, and like I, I think actually that kind of thing is part of what appeals to me about the more like slice of life is like those everyday frustrations about like yeah. I just want to get a freaking piece of pie. Like that's all I want today. Like because I've had days where all I want 
is to have a piece of pie, but my life is going completely mad, you know? And that's what happens a lot in turn is there's, there's this like aspect of like, you have your normal everyday life of like shit you want to do. Meanwhile, like explosions going on in your head of everything that's so stressful. Mm. And overall the game is relatively chill. Like that's part of the reason why I like this genre kind of deal is, you know, in in turn, there's not a lot of violence and death. There's not a lot of like massive betrayal and tragedy uh, because I find that actually kind of boring because it's constant in media. Um, yeah, there's what, things like that in media where I'm like, yeah, this is exciting, I guess, but I'm like kind right? of sick of it. I mean, I mean, one <laughs> of those like- one of those things is whenever um, whenever I hear. There was a game that came out, there's a supplement that came out recently for, so it might not even be a supplement, it might be a standalone game. There's some game that came out recently where it's like, you play as American artists in Paris in the 1930s. And I'm like, I'm sure that there's historical precedent for that, but oh my god, you could have played as Parisians in Paris in the 1930s. Like, why, why did this have to be about Americans? Yeah, um, Americas do tend to, you know, snap it up. And I, as like much as I'd your, love to like be like, your game, I'll make it makes sense. I think for me, for it was writing what I know. Yeah, um, I can't do a lot of research uh, due to health stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, like I was part of the time I was writing the final notes of this. I was in grad school and everything. So a lot of turn is very much what Brie knows with some Googling uh, and I've also consulted with a couple of other people for their perspective. Like there's an article on race because I so white. Um, and I hired someone to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I also had them like do a sensitivity read for the book and they're going to do another one as well. And other, you know, disabled people, other people with like religious lives that are different from mine. Mm. Um, I've, I've tried to kind of open up and, and, you know, for the background materials, uh, a lot of the stuff people, aside from me, have looked at the game. You mentioned, um, like, reading for race and, mm-hmm. and cultural sensitivity. I have a question coming off of that. So, yeah. I played um, New World of Darkness when I was first getting into role-playing games. And there was a lot mm-hmm. in that that was like, "Oh, this is really cool. One of the things that I really got into was the Changing Breeds supplement, which is all like, remember how werewolves are cool? Remember how you all want to play things that are not werewolves? Well, werewolves are really specific in our setting. So here, have Changing Breeds. They're not as magically amazing as werewolves, but they can be any animal, really, that you want with some very basic restrictions. Um, And in I mentioned that because in that, it talks about how you're the, 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 changing breed the 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 thing that you shift into Mm -hmm. does not have to be informed by your race so for example you could be a uh caucasian australian that turns into a dingo or you could turn into like a bear like yeah it it is informed by a thing that resonates with you rather than your like ethnicity and i'm wondering if there is any element of that in your game or, or, or more okay. specifically, or more rather, rather less specifically, how do you how do you determine what the thing is you turn into in your game? Is it just a choice you make, um, or is there some? It's a choice. Of that? It's very simple. Um, 
um, partially because I didn't want people to feel restricted by who they were. Cool. Um, so you build you build the basics kind of of your human side first mm-hmm. um, in the typical play of the game. And then uh, about partway through that, you get to look at the uh, beast archetypes mm-hmm. and you choose from those that are available, whatever feels right to you. Um, there's a very strict rule in turn um, that the game does not come prepackaged with any sort of origin based on real life or any sort of mythological fiction or anything like that, because I didn't want uh, most of the players that play my games trend towards white people, um, often Christian. And I didn't want them appropriating just by picking up the game. Yeah. Um, so I was like, how about you create your own thing? Um, and obviously if people are of the cultures that like have shapeshifters and stuff that are normal and a part of their fiction or their mythology, basically, please do that. Enjoy. I'm fine with you doing that. If you're of the culture, I just don't want people misusing it. Um, and so sorry you can as it's just i i I basically made it so you choose because it's supposed to kind of be what's in your heart it Mm -hmm. it's more you know it's what matters to you and and people have made some really lovely and fascinating combos of characters uh because of that yeah that's cool i mean like counterpoint not counterpoint i guess counter example would be that in changing breeds a lot of the language used to describe what you are and what like the changing breeds as a whole are referred to as like a almost one species with different breeds even though like you're a bear and they're a snake you're the same species of creature it's just that their breed is different but um there's a lot of appropriation of uh Central American language and Native American language in that game like I think they refer to themselves as Nahu which is the name of a Central Ooh. American language. And I, yeah. Yeah, I really it, it wanted to avoid did, all that. It did spark my interest in those cultures, but like now I look back and I'm like, God, that should, you could have just made up a word. You could have just made up a word. <laughs> like, and to be perfectly frank, as someone making a game about exclusively just shapeshifters, what's yeah. wrong with shapeshifters? Yeah. What's wrong did. with that word? You yeah. know? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that that has any background. I think it's just literally like words. But um, I was really interested in werewolves and stuff when I was in high school. To the point where, like, I started off being really interested in vampires, and I'm like, werewolves are so much cooler, and also have a lot more interesting uh, cultural stuff. Like, there's a word for werewolf that has the same origins as another word for outlaw because oh, it meant. Cool. To be rendered like the wolf, meaning you wouldn't be offered any hospitality, you could be killed on sight, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and like the Roman werewolf myth of if you drink from the same pool of water that a wolf has drunk from, you'll get cursed. It's like, why would you that be a what? <laughs> I mean, I guess germs. Uh it's <laughs> but yeah, shapeshifters don't really have an origin in turn, so like people you basically work it out as you play the game, like mm-hmm. where they came from and what the purpose of them is. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had a game yet where people were like, this is exactly what has happened. Yeah. Cause that's boring. Actually. It is way more exciting 
to figure it out as you go along, as you build your town and you build your characters and, you know, you're like multiple sessions in cause it's a longer play game Yeah, and just being like, Oh, 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 okay. That's yeah. maybe a thing that happened. Maybe that's what happened, but do we know that's what happened? Uh, that's cool. How, rumors are um, so good. um, what kind of creatures have you had people turn into? Like, yeah. Let's start. So, there. I have more questions, but we'll start there. There's a set list right now. Um, the stretch goal on the Kickstarter, where people could get me to write a whole new one for them, mm-hmm. is that's uh, a goal. That's a stretch goal. That's quite. It, a stretch it got goal. filled quicker than I really expected. Like right. I'll be honest, with you. Well, I was looks, really shocked. Well, um, I want to make sure I read them off to you correctly. Yeah, because yeah, that's fine. I'm a. I'm, I'm uh, sort of interested in these cause, sorts of. I'm always very interested in the almost the the balance to be struck between prescriptive lists and non-prescriptive lists and things like that. Like like um, there's some games that I can't quite remember the name of any of them, but where it's like, oh, you have this thing, but r- pick a pick a stat block rather than pick the bear or the wolf or whatever but also right. sometimes having that prescriptive list is also more evocative because it forces you to work with like um within the confines of a space and i definitely find like restrictions are very interesting and that like a project with yeah. no restrictions is bad <laughs> so um the way that the way that they it works in turn is you actually have two character sheets. You have your human role yep. of which you choose from a number. I think there's seven of them, and then there's the beast archetypes, which are bear, bison, cougar, otter, raccoon, raven, snake, and wolf. Mm. There's some um, and so some people some people have actually like been kind of like, can I be a water buffalo? And I'm like, of course you can be a water buffalo. You do basically the same things. The animals are not that different. Like if you can, you know, re retheme it a little bit without like ripping apart the move, like the the different abilities and stuff, the powers. I don't care. Um, and I've, that's been really fun. Uh, but like, I'm hoping someday. By which I mean, as soon as the Kickstarter's over and the game is fulfilled and I have time again, mm-hmm. um, uh, to to explore doing more than that. Um, and also like ha- maybe have stretch goals for the Kickstarter. Um, I have some people who are interested in doing some beasts and stuff. Um, uh, octopus is probably the weirdest thing I've ever had someone want to change into in a game. Oh, that would be amazing. If it's I did a really ocean really hard like, to yeah. build an octopus with changing breeds. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, it's not really meant for that. Yeah. With turn, it wouldn't be that hard. Yeah. yeah. Like honestly, now I want to make it. Yeah, I do it. Make an octopus. octopus is also like you can do a lot with octopus. You can make oh yeah, and there's a lot of different squids, kinds of them. Cuttlefish, yeah, a bunch of other stuff. Cephalopods for the win. But yes, so that's the base list, um, and we're I, hoping to expand. Uh, I feel like, did you say raccoon was on there? Yeah, raccoon. I feel like is one you don't see in stuff very often. What kind of <laughs> powers does the raccoon have? I'm keen. Oh, I I love the raccoon. They're, they're one of my favorites. Um, so. Uh, basically the, a lot of the powers work in the way where like, you just kind of do what you're doing. Otters can Um, swim well rather than otters get a plus six to swim. Right. Um, so like they have one that's called unusually evolved where they can use mundane human technology, um, without as like, without any real trouble. So like 
they could probably use a phone uh, effectively. I believe. Um, but uh, they also have uh, one called Racket, which we actually had used in game recently, which just I was just howling because <sighs> the the one character was a cougar and the other character was raccoon and the cougar was sneaking up to try to scare the raccoon and the raccoon also wanted to scare the cougar so they used racket (laughs) and the way that works is um basically like if you succeed on your role which you do like um you choose um from a list of things and includes stuff like the noise draws a crowd or they think you are something much worse and they run away and (laughs) <laughs> they did that with the cougar and the cougar was just scared like so bad and like ran away. Oh wow. <laughs> I um <laughs> I've had a similar experience in reality where um, oh my God. I thought so I I don't I live in a city but the city that I live in is very it's very close to being it's very much on the on this liminal space between a regional sort of rural area. Like mm-hmm. there are farms on the other side of the suburb I live in, um, nice. like little small boutique farms. Not boutique, hobby farms is the word I want. Yeah. Um, and you know, you drive ten minutes down the road, and suddenly you're in the bush. Um, you drive, you drive ten. You drive a minute the other direction, and you're at the sh- at a shopping center. Like it's it's a weird boundary zone. And at the end of my street, there is a what would be the closest American equivalent. There is don't have bowling clubs. There's a place where older people go to do things and drink. Okay, um, yeah, like like a social club. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes there's like really bush country people there. <laughs> it's like one o'clock in the morning. I hear this horrible howling, screaming noise. I think what it is, the only thing it could I could conceive it being is a pig that someone must have captured. <laughs> and I mean, I thought that maybe something horrible was being done to this pig and I got really distressed about it. Um, but eventually I managed to get back to sleep because I didn't feel comfortable intervening. Um, and then in the morning, my mom <laughs> says to me, were you woken up last night by those possums fighting? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, there was two possums in the roof fighting. And I'm like, those were possums in the roof? I thought it it was so loud. I thought it was a pig down the road. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I so love possums. possums. Australian possums I mean, are much cuter, but also... Like, yes, they are very different than ours, but I love ours. I like opossums too. I don't. I don't like that people are mean to opossums because opossums seem all right. Uh, random thing. Uh, yeah. I absolutely love them because they actually hugely help with pest control. Um, oh. They they like kill more ticks than like almost any other animal, and like kill and eat, and yeah. they can really really help to reduce the rate of Lyme disease in an area just by like letting them actually live there. Yeah, I don't know if Australian possums eat any insects. I know they eat fruit and, I mean, not nuts, because I don't think we have any native nuts, but those kinds of things. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I love possums a lot. I actually had some as pets whenever I was a kid for a little while. That's cool. Now I want to know if Australian possums eat. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
No, not Wildlife Victoria. I want to go to Wikipedia. Common <laughs> brushtail possum. Thank you. Uh, food and foraging. Common bushtail possums eat many kinds of vegetation, flowers, shoots, fruits, and seeds. They sometimes consume insects, birds, eggs, and oh, chicks. That's Aww. unfortunate. But there you go. They are uh, they are semi on omnivorous. Yeah, uh, possums are great though, and they are in in my dream list of more mm. uh, beasts. But I was really careful whenever I I designed the beast archetypes because I wanted them to either be large enough that they could fend for themselves against their fellows, mm-hmm. uh, as and their fellows' packs and stuff like that. So like yeah. the other shifters, like if you're a wolf, you can't like really deal with that by yourself uh you know so um the the only actual like like herbivore is the bison and that's because they're gigantic and terrifying um they're amazing and i love them but they're scary as heck um but like even like otters are actually serious predators and a lot of people don't realize that um but raccoons are like dangerous in so many other ways than being like scary like meat-eating monsters you know like they're just kind of like no like i can like open the door and go inside i have opposable thumbs thanks yeah um so that's how they were safe enough to be on the list yeah you give you you take a raccoon and then you give it the knowledge that a human has and it becomes a very dangerous thing like yeah (laughs) what's that in your hand it's a knife (laughs) yes There's a little raccoon running around. Um, yeah. What do you think is the? What do you think would be the strangest animal to cons- to to include in turn? What do you think would like really kind of push the boundaries of the game? Um. So there, I actually do have a pretty strict rule that you can't have house pets. Ah. Um. Because one, it's super creepy to me. Um, the closest we've got is somebody who pretended to be his own pet as a snake. Um, that's one of my characters. (laughs) I was like, how would this work out? Like he can pretend to be a snake, like, like a pet snake, even though he is the snake, this can function somehow. Right. Um, he actually, uh, (laughs) he sometimes, uh, ends up acting as like, the like drapery kind of thing for one of his fellow coworkers at a strip club. Mm-hmm. Um, she like, <laughs> she's a bison in her like beast form, but normally they're both just working together at the strip club. And uh, he sometimes turns into a snake and pretends to be her pet and everything. But like, I can kind of imagine what <laughs> a woman that turns into a bison would look like. And like the image it's... that it's conjuring in my mind is like, here for, here for this. Her name is Jolene, and she's amazing, and she can strong. like open beer bottles with her heels. Ah, uh, oh. um, yeah. yeah, okay. The the characters in our Florida game that we're playing right now are like really amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what do you think a whale would fit? It would be you'd have to be by the water because what if you get forest turned? Yeah. Um, yeah, because like God. so you have stress in the game mechanically. And as it builds up, you get to, like, whenever you get to the max point, by the end of that scene, you are turning into your other form. Um, You have, like, full agency otherwise. Can you imagine getting into an argument with someone that's a whale and they're just, like, the arguments escalate? Just like, I have to go to the beach. 
<laughs> I have to. That's what it would be like, though. That's what it would. Every argument with them would end with that. <laughs> like, unless you to the to be- calm if them we down. don't continue this argument at the beach, I'm literally going to die. <laughs> yeah, like the the big thing is like you can do just about anything. Like, I I hope to make a whole bunch of different options in the future and with the stretch goals like we have some for like different locales and stuff Mm. um so it'd be really exciting to do that uh and a whale would be hilarious and amazing i mean we had somebody turn into a like almost turn into a bison in the mayor office Mm -hmm. and had to like run out of the building so that they could get turned into it in the street (laughs) like yeah and that's like you know a very small imagination of what would happen if you had somebody who would risk turning into a whale yeah. 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 Um so we have the restriction on no no house pets, which makes sense to me. Are there any other do you think that you might envision any other restrictions? Like do you feel like the game might you talked about how making the ones in for the default version of the game, the ones that come with the game on release, having yeah. the um being able to fend for themselves against against the yeah. others. Um what if someone wants to be a beetle? Like a bug? Yeah, like a bug. Uh, they aren't really like. I don't I mean, really envision that in a lot of shifter, shifter, shifter. That was a weird word. I would shifter say if it were a, a variant of the game, yeah. maybe. Um, but because I like people to have some sort of equal footing with the people that their shifters alongside. Yeah. Um, like that would be something I would hesitate on. Like, yeah, I would hesitate on bug two person. Um, and I admittedly did lean mostly towards like mammals and reptiles and stuff like that. Um, because yeah. insects are confusing and weird. Like, I, I tried to, like, <laughs> I can't think of that many shifter <laughs> myths and stuff with bugs as a thing. Like, human beings normally envision themselves turning into like mammals or birds. There's like an Egyptian myth with a scarab. I didn't know and a scorpion, I think. Fair. I th- so think it would I be a stretch. A, I think I've heard of a spider one once, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. An interesting thing, either way. Um, um, what else did I want to ask you about? I'm sure there was something else. It's <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun talking about it. Um, how's your Kickstarter going? Uh, we're currently just over seventy five percent. Um, and we have until November thirtieth. So I'm hoping that we like hit our goals. So maybe we can look at stretch goals. Um, I really the stretch goals are not as like gigantic as people think, but like, um, like I'm not doing anything that could put the Kickstarter at risk in a stretch goal. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but, uh, because we, we both work with collaborate with people that are doing Kickstarters and stuff a lot. We, I know, I remember we talked about, we, how we both really like it when the Kickstarter is already up when the interview goes live so that you actually have something to link to. Yes. Um, did we talk about um, Kickstarters that have stretch goals that are basically like a whole new project? Yeah, those are a lot. I, th- I'm, If people choose to do this, that's great. Uh, but I'm trying really hard to avoid doing that with Turn, which is why I say they're not anything that's like going to completely reverse the game or anything like that. Yeah. They're expanded content and uh, hopefully like some some different types of towns and stuff like that are what I'm really interested in doing. I know that my own Kickstarter aspirations for my own RPG books are all just like, I'll put more art in, 
I will put more examples of stuff in. I'm not going to make a whole new section of the book. I'm not going to make a whole new book. I'm not going to make a whole new supplement. I'm not going to create a completely new right. game mechanic. Right. These uh, The stretch goals that I have in mind are basically like with um, people other than me writing about their experiences mm-hmm. and designing new towns. Mm-hmm. And um, they also like, you know, for me, it was really hard because I... I can't justify adding more to the print copy. So they'll be all PDF mm-hmm. uh, for all stretch goals. And that's just the reality. Whenever you're trying to do print products is you, you can only put so many pages in before it becomes unviable. Yes. Agreed. But yeah. Um, and uh, we also have a couple of backer levels that are still remaining um, that are the special limited ones. Uh-huh. Uh, one of which is I build a custom town with you. Um, and I write you like a little special blurb for it. And another is that either myself or my far superior GM husband, John, uh, will run a session of turn for you. Both very cool stretch goals, in my opinion. And I mean, that if you've got the money to spend on it, I would totally go for that. That sounds like both of those sound awesome. Yeah. As far as backer levels go, I wanted to try and not go with anything too ridiculous, but I wanted to offer some larger things like, cause sometimes people just want someone to run for them yeah. um, and stuff like that. So try to make those possible. My favorite uh, um, way to learn how to play a new game is to have someone who knows how to run it, run it. Like even if it's just one session, um, because then I'm like, okay, I kind of see where this needs to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's just my way of learning is having someone show me how to do it rather than pouring over a manual. Right. And turn is like traditionally a long play game where you like you play multiple sessions for a campaign. Um, but for to kick off the Kickstarter in the first update, we released a uh, one shot um, instructions, basically, which gives you a how to play the game in a one shot format where you can kind of compress some stuff and give some uh, sample towns which uh, some are from our playtests, some are ones that I've made myself, um, and I'm hoping that people will take advantage of that. Yeah, cool. I am really into Turn, so I definitely, I really want to pitch Turn to a bunch of friends that play World of Darkness still. I'm just like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I really want to see if I can get them to play Turn, because I think... So one of my friends, I was telling about my, I've talked to a lot of my friends about their games and stuff that I'm working on, is one who has been, who traditionally has been like, eh, it sounds like a cool idea, but I'm not interested in it. I told them about my transhumanist uh, slice of life game, and they're like, oh, I really want that when it comes out. I'm like, yes, I got them. <laughs> I can get them with turn too. Um, but it's been so wonderful chatting to you. Um We'll put links to the Kickstarter down below and um, we'll have links to where everyone can find you because we have that all from your last interview. Um, But uh, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. This was excellent. Yeah, wonderful. Cool. Well, um, thank you to to everybody for listening and thank you to all of our backers on Patreon for supporting us and making this uh, possible. Uh, If you would like to support us, you can go check out our Patreon or... If that doesn't f- feel like your speed, you can buy our game now. We have a game out on itch.io. You can buy a copy of Erotia. Uh, there is a link to 
the store up the top of insertquesthere.com. So please go and check that out. Uh, It's pay what you want. So you could pay me a dollar for it or you could pay me a hundred dollars. Like however much you feel like supporting, go wild. Uh, But for now, uh, thank you to Bree. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, I'm Ray. Farewell from the past.